Welcome to another episode of The Tribe Talks, your weekly dose of time with my dope, amazing, phenomenal, lit-ass tribe. I'm your host, Ama B, a.k.a. Queen Mother of the Tribe. This week's tribe talent goes to Shay Edwards. Shay is a producer, host, and speaker. She's also the creator of Faith Rocks, a ministry that exists to incorporate faith into every aspect of life by promoting a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of prayer and the practical application of biblical truths. Faith Rock's purpose is to spread the gospel throughout the world by helping others experience the unconditional love, peace, and freedom that comes through a surrendered life to Christ. Shay is also the author of Success in Celibacy. She's on a global mission to help heal and empower the masses, particularly women, innovators, entrepreneurs, and artists through the power of Christ. Shay is a free-spirited artistic vessel. She's a wife, mother, and mental health advocate, living an intentional life of transparency to glorify God through her trials and triumphs. Her faithfulness and trust in God inspires me and gives me perspective in my walk and my relationship with God. I definitely urge you all to buy her book and support her by following her at faith underscore rocks 83 on Instagram. Today, I have an absolutely amazing, phenomenal, lit ass, dope ass, smart ass, amazing ass, phenomenal ass tribe guest with us today. Dr. Erin Hill is a psychotherapist with over 14 years of social service and mental health experience, offering evidence-based treatments focused on treating adolescents, teens, families, couples, groups, and individuals. Dr. Hill is passionate about helping others live their best lives. Dr. Hill strives to provide a safe and healthy environment, which allows clients to improve psychological and emotional well-being, as well as daily functioning. Dr. Hill is trained to use various treatment modalities, such as cognitive behavior therapy, psychodynamic physiotherapy, did I say that? Psychotherapy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and family systems and specifies treatment to the needs of her clients. She received her Bachelor of Arts degree in social ecology from the University of California, Irvine, Master of Arts degree in clinical psychology from Phillips Graduate Institute, and her doctorate from Phillips Graduate Institute in clinical psychology. Dr. Hill's vast experience includes private practice, community health, addiction treatment, and student health clinics. She has a slew of specialties, which include anxiety, depression, teen and adolescent, cognitive behavior therapy, grief and loss, mood disorders, life stressors, relationship issues, codependency, self-esteem, family conflict, family therapy, substance abuse, trauma, positive psychology, athletic performance, peak optimal performance. I know that was a whole lot that I just gave to y'all, but I had to make sure that I spelled it out to y'all. She is fucking amazing. So say hello to the people, Dr. Hill. Hello. <laughs> um, so I have Erin uh, here because I had listed out that whole list of her credentials um, because... I wanted us to talk about something that is, I think, very important, especially in our culture, Mm -hmm. Um, is mental health. Um, Mental health is a huge thing. Therapy is a huge thing. And I think that even with um, it 
becoming something that is, I think, slowly becoming normalized. We still have a lot of growing and knowledge that needs to happen um, to kind of hop over the stigmas that have been created around mental health and therapy itself. So I want to start us off by asking you, uh, first of all, how it is that you came into therapy, into deciding that you were going to pursue this, that you were going to go to school and get your degrees and all that work. How did that happen for you? Um, Actually, my godmother is a psychologist. So growing up, I talked to her a lot about Mm -hmm. what she did, where she went to school, what that meant for her, her family and the community. Mm -hmm. And so she was a really big influence for me. Um, When I went to UC Irvine, I was actually a bio major initially, Uh, but it was just not my thing. I just wasn't drawn to it. I didn't want to go to class and I realized I needed to find something else that I was really drawn to. And so psychology was it for me. Um, I also ran track at UC Irvine. And Mm -hmm. I remember when we were doing our NCAA meeting, like before the season or school started a sports psychologist came and talked to us and I was wowed and captivated by her speech Mm -hmm. that it 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 just kind of resonated with me and it was something that I really wanted to learn more about Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at talking with people and engaging with people and so after graduation I was like what am I going to do I don't want to go to med school it's not my thing psychology was it for me it 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 allows for a lot of doors to be opened it allows for opportunities to help in various sectors private public community mental health there's just so many opportunities I don't feel like I had to be in this one box I don't have to be in an office all day Mm -hmm. I can do a lot of things and still give back right and so that was important to me Mm -hmm. Um, I applied to grad school I got in And it was amazing. My cohort was amazing. I did different trainings over three years, not including my full year of training. Um, And it was a lot of diversity and I loved it. Right. You know, um, writing papers and all that kind of thing is logistics. Mm -hmm. You you know, it was an opportunity to combine book smarts with everyday Mm -hmm. things that we needed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I like the practical side of psychology. I like the practical side of being able to help someone get to their aha moment. Right. And that's really important. That's amazing. Yeah. That's how I got here years later. Right. Shoot. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That. That's amazing. And it makes perfect sense. So your first real interaction with therapy was through your godmother. Yep. And then after going to school and kind of realizing that this is the path that I want to go through, you put it down and made sure that that. Yeah. And it's not just other people. It also forced me to Mm self-reflect, look at my own family, my own group of friends. I had to also still acknowledge some things that I either struggled with within my family or things that we went through or things Mm -hmm. that I saw growing up and that, and I had an, I have an amazing family, Mm -hmm. but I still had to like, like, for example, something you learned in grad school that I use today is a genogram and it's like a family tree, Uh but you also mark all the things that occur within your family, like positive relationships, cut off relationships relationships, um, substance use, jail, people missing, and you Mm -hmm. learn to see patterns and not because you want to point out people's flaws, Mm -hmm. but because you want to cut patterns, you want to cut generational trauma Mm -hmm. and we have to do that ourselves. Right. And so that's important. And like, that's a tool I use within the practice when I work for nonprofits, it's just a good way to get people to open up without feeling that stigma. Right. So it's, yeah, I had to do it for myself too. Shoot. Okay. So Dipping into that and you talking about actually having to do it for yourselves, do you find yourself now with all the experience that you've had as a therapist, do you find yourself kind of giving every 
um, interaction or relationship that you have either with friends and family, the, you've got your personal eye, but then you also have your therapist eye. So do you find yourself doing that? Of course. And I try not to be a therapist though, in my private relationships, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to cross those boundaries. Now, if people ask me advice, Mm -hmm. I give it, but I also refer my friends and family to therapists because I don't want to be their therapist. I think it's really important to have that space where it can be contained and they can feel free to talk because I'm still biased. If you're my friends and my family, I mean, let's just be honest, I'm biased. I'm going to be for you. Now, will I still tell you the truth? Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) but I'm still for you. So it's better that you go to a third party and honestly, a lot of my friends that I have sent to therapy, mm-hmm. they have come back and said, girl, they told me the exact same thing you told me. <laughs> and so I said, OK, so you just wanted to pay that 150 or $200 right, right. when I gave it to you for free. for free. But OK, but sometimes people have to go and be in that space where they feel this is just for me. Right. And so that's sometimes that's what people need. Right. So, yeah. Have you found um, even friends and family and just in, in general um, that people are resistant to to therapy as a whole. I think that we we talked about it actually prior mm-hmm. to, to us coming in and recording, but talking about the stigma that is placed on therapy or, or wanting to actually work on your mental health in our communities. Um, have you found friends and family who have been resistant to that? And if so, what has been the interaction and and kind of the takeaway for you from that? Actually, my immediate circle is not resistant. And I'm not Mm going to say it's because of me, but they were there when I went to grad school. So they see all the training and the benefits of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think they're resistant to therapy. Do I think some friends like not my friends, but their friends, if we think six degrees of separation. So my immediate crew and circle, no, they're not resistant to therapy. Like I said, a lot of them are in therapy, have been Mm -hmm. in therapy, um, very beneficial. Even as kids, my parents were for therapy if my brother and I needed it. So no, my immediates, no. Um, On the larger scale of community, are people still stigmatized? Yes. Do I feel from what I've seen that it's more generational? I Mm -hmm. think older generational, like the baby boomers, Mm -hmm. some of them are pretty resistant because back in the day, it seems like it it just wasn't talked about. You don't talk about your problems outside of your family. You don't go tell anyone you handle it in house or you just, you just don't talk about it. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of millennials and generation X Mm -hmm. are more open to therapy because it's more, it's more widely promoted. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they, are less likely to stigmatize, but then there's still also stigma around diagnosis. Right. And so it's one thing to go to therapy and feel like you have an open space to talk about it, but I still feel like there's that that stigma around, I have this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I've had clients say, I'm bipolar. What does that mean? Does that affect my brain cells? Does that affect that I'm not going to be able to function? Am I not going to have friends? Am Mm -hmm. I not going to be able to? No, you can do all All of that. It's just maybe we have to look at things differently for you, or we have to see what works for you Mm -hmm. if you are this. And then unfortunately, we live in an era where Google is people think are their best friends and WebMD, (laughs) WebMD. and they feel like it is the best thing to self-diagnose. I had thought maybe that was suicidal ideation or I thought it was. So am I now suicidal? No, there's a whole risk assessment that we have to do. Mm -hmm. Having a thought that you're having a bad day or you're sad Mm -hmm. does not mean you're suicidal. Right. 
Um, and so people get confused about, do I have this diagnosis? What is the criteria for a diagnosis? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And they're afraid that it makes them less than, and it doesn't. I always try to help my clients understand that if you have anxiety or even bipolar or something, by knowing that I'm hoping that it empowers them to know what works for them. You may not be like this person over here and do what they need to do, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't thrive and be successful. There are plenty of people that have amazing jobs, careers, and are passionate that have mental health diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I also tell my clients, you don't have to share that with anyone. Right. It doesn't have to be public knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we live in an age where social media is very rampant and that can be positive, but they see these perfect lives on social media and think, oh, this person's not suffering, but you don't know that. No one puts the negative stuff on social media. No one puts the family issues or the I cried yesterday or I didn't pass a test. So it appears that they have this perfect life. But you don't know if someone's on medication for ADHD. You don't know if someone's on medication for depression. And not that these are always lifelong things you have to take medication for, Mm -hmm. but they are mental health diagnosis. And if it's going to help you function better and get to where you need to be and accomplish goals, why not? Right. Right. Why not? Whew. As y'all can see, and I'm very excited about the fact that I we have Dr. Hill here because um, she's spitting knowledge. She is spitting absolute and complete facts. And I hope that y'all who are listening are taking the time to sit down and actually really receive the words that she is sharing with you all um, because somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to hear that they are not abnormal and that they there is a place for you to go to to actually get help um, and that it's not you sh- nothing that you should be ashamed of. I feel like more people should be in therapy than Of course. Should Listen, not. I always say <laughs> whether we are in a bad economy, we're in a good economy, you're up, you're down. Therapy is a space for you to come and share your thoughts and work on your goals. It doesn't always have to be negative. Mm-hmm. Some people come and say, my life is great, but I need to process this and I don't know how. Right. I need to maybe fix this one aspect and I don't know how. Right. So we help facilitate that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're supportive. We're unbiased. Um, you know, these are things that are important. Um, so it's not about there's something wrong with me. That's why I have to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just that. And it could just be one aspect of your life that maybe not maybe not going as you planned. Okay. And that's okay too. Right. Let's focus on that right. and see how this can be better for you. Right. Versus a lot of people suppress their emotions. Talking about the hard stuff is complicated for people. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of what other people think. But once again, we all have bad days. We all have those days where maybe we're feeling a little insecure about something, but it's about overcoming it and remembering we have the tools to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people just need some extra tools. That makes me think, honestly, um, about when, since we're talking about just therapy as a whole and using it as a tool. Um, my first, I think, interaction when it came to therapy mm-hmm. was actually watching it on TV. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lynn, no, was it Lynn? What was Tracy Ellis Ross's character on Girlfriends? I don't remember I her name, remember but her I know name, you're talking about. Joan. Oh, there Joan. you go. And Joan. I love Girlfriends, by the way. It only would come back. <laughs> oh gosh, so good. Somebody can let me know where I can find the box set. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I remember Joan, um, there was an episode where Joan was going to a therapist. Um, and then I went back and I was rewatching Living Single and Khadijah 
uh, ended up going to a therapist. And now most recently we've had Molly with Insecure. insecure In a therapy session. Going yep, into therapy. Yeah. And then there was a, that little stint where she was kind of upset at Issa for even suggesting that she should be going to therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that for women, especially black women, um, I feel like we, I'm not saying that we need it more, but us. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's just a kind of a, a, a certain um, level of stereotype or, um, or uh, stigma itself surrounding black women when mm-hmm. it comes to how much we're supposed to be taking on and how much we're supposed to be um, uh, bearing that sometimes it gets to the point where like you said it's you're not supposed to talk about it or you know if you talk about it then it means you're weak or I have to be strong enough to take care of my family or to take care of x y and z so you've got um, characters like uh, Annalise Keating mm-hmm and how to get away, how to get away with murder, and um, and Carrie Washington's uh, Olivia Pope, um, who are all coming off as these really really super strong women, but who, sis, you need therapy. Matter of fact, Annalise's uh, whole therapy situation got her in a whole bunch of trouble. But I don't think every situation is like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it is cool though to see in media that therapy is becoming a little bit more normalized Mm -hmm. though i think we have a long way to go with that i mean and it's not even just i also think that yes i'm glad that it is being portrayed more in the media social media on television shows by women and men of color and Mm -hmm. diversity and all that it's very important however i also think that um it just gives this brief overview. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I think people also think that going to therapy is a quick fix. Right. It is not It's not always a quick fix. Right. Yes, yeah, some people could use short-term therapy. And there are some that actually need long-term therapy. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. It's really about individualizing it to the client okay. and meeting their needs. So there's not a one-size-fit-all. And I think that's most important to me when I meet with clients is mm-hmm. what do you feel like you need? What brings you in to see me? Like and, and kind of letting them be the experts on their own lives. Right. Yes, I have all this book knowledge, but that is nothing if I can't really apply it to the client. But that is by them being the experts. Right. And letting them know you have value in your own life. Right. And telling your own story. Right. And so it's not always a quick fix. Sometimes it's a couple of sessions. And then I've had clients that I've seen for years. So Or that have left and come back. Right. So that happens too. <laughs> so with... Finding the right fit mm-hmm. is obviously huge when you're talking about finding a therapist yes. and, and connecting and then being able to sort through your issues. So yes. if you do not find the right fit, obviously it would be, oh, well, it's not for me. No, it just probably means that you haven't found... Maybe that didn't work. Right. Yeah. The right therapist for yes. you. Um, that's okay. I know that um, I'd, uh, I brought it up earlier, but my sisters and I all um, have decided that, you know, therapy was something that we all needed. Um, and so we started the hunt in LA to try and find a therapist. Um, and I remember reaching out and w- mm-hmm. I went through the whole, the whole process. And um, we said it, we were like, man, we need therapy for therapy. Like we need therapy for this search to find our, uh, our right fit. Thankfully I found my right fit, um, mm-hmm. which is great. And so did my sisters. Um, but I think the thing that we also noticed was that network of 
people who one look like us yeah uh is not as easy to find right um and then especially for our brothers out there there's not always black male therapists out Mm there um what are your thoughts as far as um you know sharing your information and knowledge about trying to find a good fit when it comes to finding a therapist it is not always easy. I get a lot of calls. Um, I work for a small private practice in off of like Santa Monica and Overland. And I am, uh, it's the best thing ever. My boss is amazing. My colleagues are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we get calls for very specific. I would like to see a male therapist. And my boss is a black male therapist mm-hmm. and very knowledgeable, but he's one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the practice and then uh, our other colleague is a black female. Mm-hmm. And so we don't always meet the demands, mm-hmm. but there's also not necessarily a directory. A lot of it is by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. When I meet other therapists and I feel like they're pretty good, then I will refer them because mm-hmm. I'll keep them in my Rolodex for when I get asked certain questions, either about where they practice or, mm-hmm. but there's not this map of LA or directory for every city in LA that is a black or multicultural or SES mm-hmm. or a specific language or even Arab or Palestinian. Like there's not like this one directory that lists every therapist, right. um, what the criteria that they meet. Mm-hmm. Does the internet kind of help make that search better? Yes, but I can't speak to all those therapists because I don't know them. Right. So a lot of it, like I said, is word of mouth and Um, I try to get to know more therapists when I can. We always talk about within our practice and other colleagues that I know, how can I get out there more to meet other people? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always these classes and and, um, networking events. But, you know, sometimes it takes time and money that we don't always necessarily have. But it's something that you have to consciously put forth an effort to make connections, even psychiatrists, you know, because we don't prescribe medication. Um, it's not always my first thing to offer that up either, mm-hmm. but if a client needs it, we have to build connections with psychiatrists that we trust that we can refer clients to. Um, it's, you know, there's plenty of them in LA, but that doesn't mean that they're going to meet all of our clients needs mm-hmm. and, and they're going to understand. So it's a struggle sometimes. Um, and you you said psychiatrist. So the difference between psychiatrists and therapists. Yeah. Can you share that a, with a psychiatrist goes to medical school. So they are MDs. Okay. They have residency. You know, they have more extensive training as far as they are medical doctors. Um, psychologists are um, either PsyDs or PhDs. Mm-hmm. And so we don't prescribe medications. Okay. Most of the time we collaborate with them. Okay. So we'll coordinate services for our clients. You got to get release of information. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not just uh, breaking confidentiality. Clients have to sign on, uh, sign off on us coordinating services with other providers. Okay. Um, even if sometimes clients get their medications from their primary care physicians, mm-hmm. sometimes, especially for adolescents or kids, they might not always go to a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, we have to get releases to talk to them if we want to coordinate. Um, so just b- bouncing this off my head. So you work, um, with a span of different, um, uh, specialities, mm-hmm. um, and, one of them you mentioned was teens. Mm-hmm. How is it working with, and I don't want you to be specific. Oh, I'm don't not, worry, I won't. I'm not trying to write, <laughs> not trying to cause no problems. Yeah. Um, but how how is it as far as working with those who have younger minds? I 
I actually love it. So yeah. somehow, I don't even know how this happens. A mm-hmm. lot of my clientele at the practice are teen girls mm-hmm. or young, young adults. Okay. Women. Mm-hmm. I'll call them women. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've ranged from 13, 14 up to like early 20s. Oh, wow. You know, um, I love it. And they're actually multicultural young girls of color. And so they're very smart. They're mm-hmm. educated. Like they have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working with them because they're in this space of they they have a lot of insight that they don't even know they have mm-hmm. because most of them that do come and see me, they've asked to come and see me. Mm-hmm. I get parents calling our practice saying, my daughter wants to see a therapist. They've mentioned this, this, and this. And so it's kind of like amazing. Yeah. Now, do they come in with all these teenage, we were all teens at one point. They come in with all these (laughs) issues and, you know, while it's like, girl, when you talk to yourself or see yourself 10 years from now, some of these things may or may not be an issue, but it is so amazing to see their thought process and their growth and Mm -hmm. how powerful they are Mm -hmm. that when it clicks for them and Mm -hmm. they recognize it, they recognize how far they come or they recognize their goals or they achieve goals. Um, it's like the spark goes off for them and that I love to see. I love to see they came in with this concern. I wouldn't even call it a problem, a concern, Mm -hmm. or they felt like they wanted to do better in this space or sector Mm -hmm. and they make it work. Right. But there is something that draws them to therapy that they really appreciate. Right. They really take on, they're they're open. So they're not narrow-minded and maybe because they are young, they Mm -hmm. haven't been like corrupted by all of this this societal (laughs) stuff. But they come in with, I'm willing to practice. I'm willing to try this. I'm open to what you're saying. But that's also because when they give me what it is that they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm like a mirror. I hold it back up for them. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of like, oh, that's what I said. And that's what I did. So to watch them see that and then make the adjustments, mm-hmm. I think is amazing. That is, yeah. first of all, the fact that these young people are recognizing the fact that they need it or want it. Amazing. That they have no problems okay. reaching out. They'll send a text or they say like, hey, I need to talk today. I had a problem. Like, are you available? And most, I, I try to make sure that I am available because mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like they don't have support and resources. Right. You know, it's not about your parents cutting checks for therapy. It's right. about your asking for help. And I also try to help them understand I'm not the only person that you should be asking help from, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, depending on the circumstances, like who else in your world mm-hmm. can you develop this with? Mm-hmm. Your parent, older sibling, a younger sibling, a teacher, a mentor, like let's develop your network and support right. group your that's ecosystem. going that's going to stay with you and evolve as you evolve. Right. It's the best thing ever. That is amazing. Now, with with that positivity and that side of it, I think it's absolutely amazing. But I also feel like there's also the flip side of it. Oh yeah, it's not always rosy, right? Where you might run into we we don't always get there with clients for various reasons. They might say, you know, sometimes when it gets hard, Mm -hmm. is when clients sometimes can pull back, right? And they'll, oh, I'm fine. I don't need this anymore. I'm good. And then they need to take a break. Mm-hmm. I hope in giving them and respecting their decision mm-hmm. that they'll come back when they need. You know, mm-hmm. I never used to tell a client, this is it. If you leave, you can never come back. The door is always open for them to come back. Right. Um, but it might not be the time. And I think that's an important part of therapy as well is understanding what is best for the client. 
Um, so no, it, it doesn't always end in amazing positivity. There are some people that, like I said, don't don't hit their goals. Mm-hmm. And is is that a struggle? Yeah. Um, as a therapist, of course, because we want to help people. Right. But we also understand that we it just doesn't work that way for everyone. You know. So with taking the the positive and then having the negative side of it, um, how do you as an individual, as, you know, a a daughter, a sister, a friend, a mother now, Mm -hmm. she's got such, (laughs) look, I'm sorry, y'all. I gotta, I gotta step out and gush for a second. Aaron's baby is so freaking (laughs) cute. This child is now she'll be nine months months in a couple of days. Yeah. She's amazing girl. She's definitely inspiration, uh, motivation, um, self-care. Yeah. I, I try to, one thing that they always preach in grad school and you Mm -hmm. don't really learn until you get in it Mm -hmm. is boundaries and self-care. That doesn't mean I'm cut off. Right. Um, but I have to sometimes leave my work at work. Mm-hmm. When I go home, I really try not to take it. I have an amazing partner. Um, he's in mental health as well. So we have really good communication about like checking in and what do you need today? Are you good? Mm-hmm. Some days he needs a little more loving. I need a little more loving. I need a little more space. I need mm-hmm. to hit the gym. Mm-hmm. I'll stay with the kid or he'll stay with the kid. Like we are really good And I don't know, maybe because we're both therapists, Mm -hmm. but it is something about our communication that's really amazing. Um, And people always kind of say, like, what works? It just works for us. That's Um, That's amazing. And we also have those hard conversations. And so I think that's important. Mm -hmm. But I constantly and he constantly, we check in throughout the day. Are you good? How's your day going? You know, what do you need? You know, mm. even to like you, you have something special you want for dinner because those little things make a difference when we get home. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some point we're not just therapist at home. Right. And so self-care is important. We try to take trips. We try to just hang out with our family and friends and unwind. Family is really big to us. Mm-hmm. And so without our village, it for what? Then what are we doing all this for? Right. You know, um, we're about our village and we're about spending time. And some days do we just veg out and do nothing and stay our stay in our pajamas? <laughs> yes, that is amazing. And so am I a bad friend sometimes because I don't respond to text messages? Um, I think your husband even sent me a message about game night one time and I felt <laughs> terrible I didn't respond, but I was really in a space where I just don't want to move. Right. Like I just don't want to move. I want to lay here with my man and my baby and right. be just just relax for the day. Um, and so that is how I keep it together, mm-hmm. you know? And then also I'm open to going to my own therapy. We both have been, and there is nothing wrong with that because how can we promote something that we haven't gone through ourselves? I was about to ask if you, yes, it is important. Thing. I mean, one is required for us to graduate. Um, <laughs> however, and in the, and then I'm kind of like, who's paying for this? I got right. enough bills. What in the world? But there is value in us. I think, a lot of grad school is having us experience what clients would experience. Mm. We do a lot of um, mirror kind of talks and sessions, kind of going through the motions of different theories and motivational interviewing. And we, we're role-playing as clients mm-hmm. so we can get a sense of what it feels like. Okay. You know, I think also some of the papers, a lot of it is about self-reflection because if I don't deal with my own stuff, mm-hmm. how am I going to help someone else deal with it? Right. Not to mention, I have to be in a space to acknowledge if there is counter-transference in the room. Mm-hmm. So if something else is, if the client's talking, if something else is coming up, within me you. about it, yeah. I got to kind of check that right. and, and deal with that because I don't want that to impede the client. 
Right. Because it's not about me in that room. It's right. about the person. Ooh. So that's why I do all my other stuff. You know, I make sure right. I do my, my nail days, my hair day, my facial day, hit the gym. Some days I just need to tell him, like, I just need to sleep in today. You got the baby? Okay, cool. Because I got to take care of me. Otherwise, I can't take care of him, family, or my clients. This, look, I hope y'all, again, <laughs> I said it before, but I really, really hope y'all taking notes. Uh, you pulled over to the side of the road if you're driving. Like, I don't know what you're doing, where you are, but please make sure that if, matter of fact, if you know that you are in a place where you can't take notes, that's fine. You could go back and re-listen to this episode because you're going to need it. Star it, save it, bookmark it, because Aaron is doing an amazing job, I think, of highlighting why therapy mental health is so 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 important Mm -hmm. it doesn't like you said doesn't have to be because you have this traumatic childhood or you had you have issues going on now it's just necessary Mm -hmm. just in your everyday operation yeah so i i really really hope that you are taking this in and receiving it um you know, other thing I think is not discussed mm-hmm. in mental health, not to cut you off no, before no, no. I lose my Please. thought, is being a family member of or friend of someone who is struggling with mental health substance or some kind of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to shame or say, why don't you just get it together? Right. Um, and I think because there's not a lot of psychoeducation for the supporters or the mm-hmm. caregivers, they don't really know how to respond. Right. And so they might go to therapy because... It's someone else they love that's dealing with it Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to deal with them Mm -hmm. or they don't know how to engage with them. And you can, I feel like they can really damage someone by saying the wrong thing, you know, Um, and it could get worse. And so I think that's another part of mental health that's not explored as much. Mm -hmm. Who helps the helper? Right. Um, And the helper doesn't always have the tools to be a accurate or efficient helper. Right. Um, If, and if you don't know how to recognize diagnosis or recognize, symptoms or recognize when someone is really struggling say with suicidal ideation mm-hmm. i would never want to say anything and just is sometimes you know people say oh that's just for attention even if it is Ooh. just for attention yeah um what does that look like and what's coming up why is that coming up when is it coming up there's still a conversation that should be had right. versus shaming someone right or those, so, con- those conversations after or if something should happen just to say oh well i didn't know they yeah. should have asked for help that people don't people always don't know how, how to, to ask it. for help or they don't right. know they don't know how to verbalize help right people seek help in different ways right and so recognizing that someone needs help mm-hmm. is also something that people need psychoeducation on right um and when you're talking about having the psychoeducation is there anything that you can think of um that can be used as a resource let's say if our listeners do have somebody who is struggling with it is this something where they would go I would say go to therapy themselves. Okay. Um, there are different groups specifically for like substances like Al-Anon. Al-Anon. They can go yeah. to AA or NA. But And then sometimes you can Google or look up support groups in your area, grief and loss groups, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to look up things in your area. Sometimes you can even call your service provider, talk to your doctors, call your insurance. There are community mental resources also that mm-hmm. help connect you to other resources. Gotcha. Or if you know that your loved one is attached to resources... Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll their providers will connect you with, with resources as well. Yeah. It's okay. just also about like asking and saying like I'm helping, but the helper needs help. Right? Because who helps the helper? The helper is all worn out. Then everybody's in trouble. Look, the truth. 
I had a, um, I think I mentioned it actually a couple episodes back when um, the mommy episode where we were talking about, I had a friend of mine who is a mother of twins and she was talking about the fact that the self-care and actually, well, self-care and then also having somebody to talk to for those issues. She was like, if you get knocked out, whether it be physically, mentally, whatever it is, like, how are you going to help your family? Yeah. You know, so how are you going to help if, if, like you said, the helper gets knocked out, who else is going to be there to step in to help those that need it? So I think that it's really dope that you're even bringing that up. And, and she shared another resource, y'all. So please jot it down, do your research. Um, I'm trying to think there was, I think the stigma is, um, like, it's important. I think even just talking about it now, just like I'm listening, you know, monitoring levels, but even like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, Google, but it's something, even when your fingers go to type, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm looking up anxiety. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, I'm one of those people now, or I never thought I would be that person. And it's like, there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing wrong with being that person. And there's nothing wrong with finding out on behalf of a family member mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. Uh, if they could perhaps be that person. I think for me, I always think of what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm always worried about telling somebody the wrong thing. Right. I, like I don't have the tools that a therapist would have. And yeah. so I feel like I sound like a broken record to some of my friends. And I'm like, mm, you know, maybe you should go to therapy because it's like, you know, I, my it's dad is so a physician. Much. And so I think I have, there's, I have a respect for the medical field from there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it's come from. Where, that's where it comes from. But at the same time, you know, I'm still a person. I still feel it myself. Where I'm like, oh yeah, but like, you gotta do that. You can be yeah. like, oh yeah, you should go talk to somebody about that. But like, for real, for when real. you yeah. when you have that, like you said, when the helper needs the help, or mm-hmm. when you have some issues that you have questions about, or you want to talk to a professional, um, taking that first step, even that that Google search, or even just talking to a family friend, or. Mm-hmm. Or like my aunt who who works with veterans and and, uh, and TBIs. Even if you you have resources, but I think you have to take that step yourself, like you said, to to ask them. Just ask a question or do that Google search or be comfortable right. enough with yourself to ask these and questions. And it's not always comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think my partner and I talk about these things all the time. And I said it before about not being comfortable. Mm-hmm. Even for me, sometimes when it comes up and he'll say to me, like, is it uncomfortable for you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or he'll say like as great of a therapist as you are you're avoiding or you're not acknowledging it or Mm -hmm. i'm skipping over it or i'm just trying to correct it and be Mm -hmm. this like perfect person um and so i I use imperfectly perfect a lot you know because there is some value in that Mm -hmm. and so it's yeah the stigma is really hard to combat i think no one wants to be that person but what is that person anyway Right. right You know, we all are that person on some level. Mm -hmm. For example, when I talk to clients about anxiety, Mm -hmm. I usually say on a scale of zero to 10, what is your anxiety like? You know, if you're studying for this major test, you're going to have some anxiety. That's kind of normal. If you don't, then maybe I'm a little more worried about why you don't have this anxiety. (laughs) But so anxiety is not always crippling. It's not always affecting your functioning. Mm -hmm. Zero is kind of like, all right, I'm not feeling done. One or two, maybe I got a little sweats, but I got a test in five minutes, so I'm a little worried. Right. You know, 10 is I cannot move. I, I cannot function. function. I'm not getting up. I'm yeah. avoiding everyone. Mm-hmm. Now that is a crisis. Everything is not a crisis. Mm-hmm. So this is also where psychoeducation comes in for clients and their loved ones or whoever brought them in if they're underage. Um, everything is not a crisis. Right. So helping them learn like, 
you're experiencing this, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Most people your age or in this in this realm would feel that. Right. A 10, on the other hand, now I'm concerned for you. Let's come up with a safety plan. Right. And so getting people to understand, it's fine. You felt sad today. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why you felt sad. Mm-hmm. Let's not avoid why you felt sad. Let's mm-hmm. not ignore that you were sad. You know what? And a lot of people can't even, don't, don't even know what mm-hmm. triggers them. Right. A lot of people have a difficult time, um, especially if it's someone else saying mm-hmm. like, that person made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, or I felt this way because of this person's actions. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of teaching about um, I statements, acknowledging your feelings and thoughts. Because mm-hmm. that is hard for people to do. They don't want to say I feel, I think. Yes. It's so much easier to say <sighs> you because it distracts from from us, our own stuff. Right. And so I go over I statements a lot with clients. And when they do it, they communicate better. Mm-hmm. They feel better. Mm-hmm. They journal more. Mm-hmm. It's just something about acknowledging it is less stigmatizing for them. I think it's interesting. Um, my the the I statements and the um, I think versus I feel because I had to actually do that with my therapist mm-hmm. as well. There was a lot of well, I feel like you're being, and she's like, no, 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 that's not a feeling. No, it's a thought. Right. So you have to make sure that you're being cognizant of the fact that you are expressing your thought by saying, I think. Mm-hmm. And then when you're feeling something saying, I feel, I feel happy, yeah. sad, you know, anxious, mm-hmm. worried, whatever it is. But you have to make sure that you're help, helping yourself by differentiating what those things are. Yeah. And that's you. Not right. you did this. Yes. So it made me feel this. No, no, right. no. Let's start with the I felt this when this occurred. Because you're, you're acknowledging what it is. But, Absolutely. And then you're not pointing the finger. And first of all, when you point fingers at people not literally but even you know um metaphorically mm-hmm. people shut down absolutely so if you once you start a sentence with you you did this mm-hmm. you did this to me people are kind of like well i no longer hear you because now you, you're, you're like, perfect Who? if you're perfect then why i gotta mean you know and it's hard for us to hear and i say us because i've been there at, a t- at times too right you know we all evolve at our own rate and mm-hmm. when it is when it happens for us mm-hmm. but i've been there too not to not to jump in, I I you know I am like yeah. You know what? Okay, um, first of all, if if y'all don't know by now, we're on episode 11, 12, 13. <laughs> Um, Stephen jumps in, and I have no problem with Stephen jumping jump in because at at no point has he ever come with something that was not feeding the conversation. Right. So please jump right on in, brother. By all means. I I think what's beautiful about technology is is access to resources and yes. connecting with people. But um, sometimes with social media, there's I think there's this we're kind of condition conditioned to believe that certain struggles are normal and that you have to go through this because like either the generation before you went through it or this, mm-hmm. the struggle is just a part of your journey to get right. there. And of course, we'll all have struggles in life. But the whole idea, I'm on the fence about it because as an artist, there's like the idea of, you know, growth happens when you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is fine to an extent but if you're uncomfortable for years because i'm thinking because i've had a lot of experience with mental illness with friends and family and i remember junior year of college two both two friends of mine close friends of mine both had suicide attempts at different times Mm. and i was like i know this mental this part this wing of the hospital too well at 20 years old what are y'all doing and i remember i'm prone to guilt in terms of like what could i have done to help But as you get older and you become more informed through technology, you start to realize, okay, there's only so much you can do as a friend with the tools you have, but mm-hmm. you have to want to A, get, get help yourself, mm-hmm. but B, if you don't know where to find help or who to ask yes, to find help, it's hard. what are you going to do? So the, the idea of like 
you're uncomfortable right now because you're growing. Mm -hmm. That may be true to an extent, but you also could be uncomfortable because there's a chemical imbalance that is undiagnosed or like, you know, you know, there might be a family history of something that you ain't talking about. So like, I ain't equipped to tell you, so you gotta find somebody, Dr. Aaron, (laughs) somebody, you gotta talk to somebody who ain't me because I can't. And just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you have to sit in silence. And I think that's where people, just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean like I know I'm uncomfortable let me try to figure it out by myself Mm -hmm. you know Um, and I will say like if you're in school or you're in college I feel like um, college campuses are really working hard to provide services and resources so student health centers Mm -hmm. and um, psychological service centers on campus it seems like are really, I mean, have really improved. Mm -hmm. And so I do urge college students or high school students to connect with their counselors and advisors if they really feel like they have nowhere else to go, at least as a starting point. Just let me say that about students. Um, Because there are resources on campuses these days. Um, They want to make sure that students' needs are met. So yeah, being uncomfortable does not mean sitting in silence that does not mean i know people say it's uncomfortable so let me just sit through because (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is a period of you try it your way it's not working let me get let me reach out to resources or help or assistance and let me tell somebody so no yet you do you do evolve with being uncomfortable but that does not mean you have to just sit in it either yeah if that makes sense absolutely so absolutely um you mentioned um just young people having the resources to Mm -hmm. to to recognize those things i and i have been seeing a lot of articles lately about schools actually implementing mental health curriculum into their or mental health um, education into their curriculum um which i think doubled uh coupled with the fact that you'd mentioned that young people seem to ha- be more open mm-hmm. to require or to ask for help when they feel like they need it, I think is going to be a huge, huge shift, I think, coming up um, of how people see and perceive mental health and therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Because if they're getting those resources at an early age, the stigma that we are all seeing and st- seeing people yeah. struggle with is going to be normalized. And so it's not going to be so much of an issue for people to say, I need help because I feel this way, or I don't know how to process this, or I, you know. Right. So so hopefully, you know. Yeah, hopefully that's kind of where it's going. But once again, I also don't feel like people have to say, um, I'm struggling with this and, mm-hmm. and broadcast it. Oh, yeah, It can absolutely. be a private thing. It doesn't have to be a public thing. I tell my clients all the time, you don't have to put everything on social media, mm-hmm. you know? And then to speak to your point about finding resources on social media, everything is not necessarily an accurate resource. Mm-hmm. Social media also, and the internet and Google and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, also has people's own stories. Mm-hmm. So that's their truth. Right. I never take away from anyone's truth, mm-hmm. but just because they may have similar symptoms does not mean that everyone's experiencing the exact same thing. Right. So sometimes I also caution um, clients and people I know, don't search too hard mm-hmm. on the internet because then it's like you're looking to find symptoms and I don't want you to manifest because you're trying to find a connection right. with a stranger or their experience. And really it goes down to connecting and attachment, which could be a whole other segment. Right. Um, so people have to also be careful about 
what they're looking for on mm-hmm. the internet. You know, if you search hard enough, you might find what you're looking for, right. even if it's inaccurate. So I think psychology is big and I'm big on evidence-based. Right. You know, I experience, you know, when people, when we talk about interventions or mm-hmm. when I'm dealing even with my staff or at work or with clients, evidence-based, like it, it's really important because some people can put things on the internet that is not evidence-based. Right. And that's not to say that it doesn't work, but psychology is grounded in evidence-based these theories these things these tools as evidence symptoms as evidenced by like that those words always resonate with me Mm -hmm. as evidenced by right because it's important to document and and into so yeah everything is not as evidence-based articles and research online and so because you can end up doing more damage i think that way trying to figure out and self-diagnose and come up with a plan because it worked for someone else right which may be fine but it may not work for you that's actual fake news. Right. Yeah. And I think you have, it's, I'm so glad you said that because I think at some point when you're, you know, it's, the timeline is endless and you can, your thumb can keep scrolling and scrolling at some point. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not there, but I'm saying at some point, I, I don't know if it's inward or what, at what point you have to recognize, like, wait a minute, hold on. You right. get lost you in start the sauce. Internalizing it, right? I say you get lost in the sauce right. because it's, it's so much. It's like it could be cold. like this endless, <laughs> this endless black hole of information. And if 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 you don't have help filtering it and how it applies to you, you can just keep going down this oh, hole, and it takes you to this whole of, other place, right? And other things can come up for you that didn't exist before. Right. So also, yeah. that's another reason I caution, especially my teens. Like there's so many boards and. Social mm-hmm. media sites and it's kind of like because they're still impressionable. They're absolutely. still sponges and yep. you know still misinformation can affect them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So that's also important. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about having the help for the helpers. Yes. So making sure that people who are um either have some relation or 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 dealings with someone who might be suffering from some type of um mental health issue. I wouldn't even say suffering. I would say well, experiencing. Experiencing. Excuse experiencing. Me. See, and even that talking about your select your word choice, making yeah. sure that it's it's one that is um mindful of um of the situations that you're dealing within. Um but what I wanted to to kind of talk about is when you are a friend mm-hmm. who sees that you have someone who is, you know, suffering, excuse me, experiencing mm-hmm. Correction, I'm educating myself. Yeah. Um, but who is experiencing some type of distress or who is um, experiencing some type of um, difficulties, challenges, stressors, yes, stressors, all anxiety, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that person might not have vocalized that they need help. Mm-hmm. What is your suggestion as far as suggesting that they receive some type of therapy or mental health assistance. it depends on the friend and it depends on the situation um mm-hmm. if we know our friends well we know we should know how to approach them right once again it's not a one size fit all mm-hmm. so i would take into account um kind of all my friends everything that's going on in their life and do they how do they respond to what they need like do they respond better to me verbally telling them Mm -hmm. do they respond to me giving them a scenario that they can hear that they don't necessarily think applies to them but it does and then then an aha moment kicks in Mm -hmm. um it's just like a client um if they but then they might not ask and so 
they might not be ready to hear it. So I'm not going to just volunteer to a friend either. Mm-hmm. Look, girl, I know you're going through this and right. you need this, this, and this because it might not be the right time for them either. Right. Um, now, in a conversation, if they bring something up, well, I suggest maybe you should go to therapy. Maybe you should do meditation in the morning. You're having difficulty sleeping. Maybe you should do like a sleep routine or, you know, drinking tea. It depends on the conversation, but I think it starts with communication okay. um, and knowing how to have that conversation without sounding judgmental. I think it's important to be empathetic Mm -hmm. and understanding to each situation and also not treat my friends like my clients. Right. Because they're not. um, I have a personal connection with them. I see them on a regular basis. And if people aren't ready, you can push them in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like I said, it's case by case scenario Mm -hmm. um, because I've had friends that have gone through things, but it's it's not my place to tell them how to live their lives. Um, If they're not in immediate danger, I'm not just going to jump in and try to quote unquote save them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes people have to go through things on their own accord. Right. Will I support them and be a friend? Yes. Um, if I feel that I, I should say something as a friend, fine, I do, but not as a not as a therapist mm. because I'm not that. Dope. That is amazing. Um, and I'm grateful and just super thankful of the fact that you've just poured out so much amazing knowledge and perspective and education. It's it's refreshing to know that that we have tribe members who are connected and who are gifted in this way because we need it. Yeah. You know, Um, what I do every episode, this is the part of the episode um, where I ask my tribe guests what you believe your tribe power is. I think that you all received her tribe power throughout this entire freaking episode, but the tribe power is what you bring to the tribe that makes it bigger, better, stronger, more amazing. Mm-hmm. I say it every episode that my tribe power is connection. Um, mm-hmm. So creating the spaces in which my tribe members can kind of come together and build their own relationships outside of their relationship with me. Okay. Because I understand that building the tribe and the ecosystem is what we kind of are here to do. It's mm-hmm. just to, to build the network. Um, so I am curious to know what you think your tribe power is. Um, I think my tribe power is empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's not always easy to do mm-hmm. um, because it requires us to listen. Right. And so sometimes people just need to listen mm-hmm. and not always be in a hurry to speak. Because when you listen, you gain a lot of knowledge about people, things, places. Um, and then you can come up with a plan right. on how to move forward. And mm-hmm. so I yeah, kind of think that's my power. I co-sign that. Um, I I think that everybody who's listening will co-sign that uh, just based off of what you've given to us in this episode. So if our listeners would like to get in contact with you, uh, is there any contact information that you are able to share? Um, sure. My work number is 424-625-5244. Um, and then you can also reach me, you can email me at Ehill Psyd, so E H I L L P S Y D at Dr. Nichols and Associates.com. And we also have a website. Yes. So if you Google um, Nichols and Associates Psychological Services, um, that's the practice I work for. And um, I did a lot of my training with him. He's amazing, Dr. Nichols. Um, so you can look us up on our website and you can call. My colleagues are on there as well. So 
Yeah, for consultation. I will definitely make sure that I have that link in the bio for the episode. So yeah. in, in case uh, anyone is looking for that, uh, that resources, resource will be available there. Erin, uh, I have to say a huge, huge, huge thank you for taking time out of your schedule of and, and being away from that beautiful baby right yeah, now, home to, her um, now. <laughs> to, uh, to pour into the tribe and to share with the tribe talks. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so thankful for you and just wish you the most amazingness. Um, if you all are not already, please make sure that you are following the tribe talks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the tribe talks. If you have anything that you'd like to share with the tribe, make sure you email us at the tribe talks at gmail.com. Peace.